You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. And yeah, we welcome on, back. Warner. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, the latest episode of the Sports Headline Show. Sean, what episode is this? 92, I think. Closing in on 100, we got a very special guest. Uh, Blake Murphy covers the Toronto Raptors. Welcome in, Blake. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I uh, I just moved into a new place, and I have all this natural light, and I thought it would help with these things. And now I see I'm all, like, I'm over bright and shiny, and clearly the, uh, the pandemic flow from not being able to get haircuts isn't working for me as well as it is for Warner. So uh, now I'm all now I'm all self conscious on here. Hey, uh, hey, you're looking good. Looking good. Can't the can't forget. Nice feeling bad. Shame on you. But anyway, Blake, thank you for joining back on us. Last time we had you on, actually, it was just me. Warner wasn't able to uh, join us for that episode. Talked about a lot. If you guys missed that episode, go check it out. Had a lot of fun. Uh, talked a lot of Kawhi Leonard stuff and other stuff that I'm not going to spoil. So go check it out if you guys have not listened to it. But all right, so let's get into it. So the All-Star, I was going to say weekend for a second, and I realized it was in just an All-Star night. Uh, the All-Star game was Sunday, and well, first off, what was your reaction? How do you think, like, the they handled the night? And they got to change the slam dunk contest. Like, it's, it just, it's just not fun anymore. It, I don't get excited about it. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm I'm a big dunk contest guy in general. I definitely think it needs some tweaks. I, th- I think, you know, the two big things you probably want to focus on, like we're not short on guys who can do cool dunks. The NBA right. has probably never been more athletic. Uh, but I think the two things we need to, to focus on are, one, I love that announced crew in other scenarios, but we got to get some people who like the dunk contest commentating the dunk contest. It's hard to get too geared up when they're they're kind of crapping on every dunk. Uh, the other thing is, I think we might need to move away from the scoring it at a 50 kind of thing. Like, like it's just, first of all, it dominates the com- their conversation in a, in a silly way. And also, I think the judges get in their own heads a little bit where, like, that first dunk was, I don't know, it maybe ended up being the, the best or second best dunk of the first round. But because it went first, they rated it low. Like, I, I think we maybe just need to reimagine that. Maybe it's... Uh, you know, a scenario where the judges just pick their favorite dunker from each right. round or something like that. Um, I still have faith. I, I think the dunk contest, you know, there have been so many good ones that you don't want to, you don't want to rule it out entirely. Uh, but it's a couple times recently now that the three point contest uh, outshined it. That, that was, that was an unbelievable three point contest. Yeah. Steph yeah. Curry just making it rain. I, I got a, I got a quick idea for the NBA. Um Sean is more of a WWE wrestling guy than I am, but I have heard their announcers, and boy, oh, boy, they get excited for just about everything. When <laughs> I get some WWE-type announcers in for uh, for the uh, NBA dunk contest, nobody's getting slammed through a table, but um, you're slamming a ball through a hoop. So You, you, well you step in the ring, the announcers in WWE are going bananas. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> right yeah. foot step. Oh, my. Yeah, and hey, I mean – you said no one's going through a table, but maybe that's the next evolution of dunks, right? As you, you know, you, you throw a dunk down and then someone comes off the ladder and spears you off the rim through, <laughs> through a table TLC style. So 
Like when, uh, uh, who knows? Maybe, Anthony, maybe you just stumbled on something, Warner. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I think it was when Anthony Simmons, uh, when he did the double dummy, uh, put like a small little hoop higher on the on the glass. Yeah, he grabbed it off twelve feet to dunk on. Yeah, so maybe like after that, you you grab Edge, a, a Canadian, you grab Edge, just have him spear the crap out of Simmons. Exactly. Um, but yeah, man, I I really actually do like the dunk contest, but it just doesn't have any like. It doesn't feel special anymore. Like it, it's it's ridiculous. Like Zion, a guy like Zion should be interested in the dunk contest. And I don't know, like if you have to throw like a a, a prize pot in it, you just have to. They have to do something to make it exciting again. I feel. Yeah, it, it's a tough spot for guys, right? Because like if you're at the level of Zion, you maybe have more to lose going into the dunk contest than game, right? Like. Like Zion already already has the the big shoe deal. He's already one of the most popular players. If he goes out there and doesn't have a good dunk contest performance, that probably hurts him. And I think if he wins the dunk contest, it's cool, but it always seems to mean a little bit more to like the second tier guys when they win it. Right. Like um, obviously Vince is the exception there and the Levine Gordon. I mean, even the Levine Gordon one was, was kind of as both those guys were on their way up, they weren't kind of established top guys yet. So um i don't know i i don't know you know i'm trying to think of like ways that these guys have rivalries beyond just wanting to win the dunk contest and i don't know maybe you have like i don't think the shoe companies would ever agree to do this together but like nike's best dunker against adidas's best dunker against lee ning's best dunker and so, so wait, who, let's have let's have some fun here a little bit so wait, who would be nike's is it is it lebron like hands down trying to think of all the nike guys i don't think lebron would do it though <laughs> yeah right LeBron would do it but like would he be he I think he would be probably the best dunker that Nike has signed right now unless I'm missing somebody I'm probably yeah. drawing a Blake on somebody. I mean as long if we're keeping Jordan brand separate then uh yeah, I, mean, I, think, yeah. I think so I don't know I shouldn't have brought this up because now I'm going to forget who's on <laughs> who's on what brand and stuff and you know and one cycling through like and one's going to put Javon Carter in the dunk contest <laughs> it's, it's uh I haven't thought this through enough uh, that, that's funny, but all right, let's transition a little bit more to your Raptors. So the Raptors, they start off the year a little bit rough, and I actually kind of predicted that the Raptors would have a big fallback. But one of the guys that have been in the mixture of some trade rumors is Kyle Lowry. What are your thoughts on that? Is it a real possibility that Kyle Lowry could be moved by the trade deadline, or do you think the Raptors are going to keep it going until the uh, playoffs? I think it's possible just because you look at it logically. Like if you take all emotion out of it, it's a guy who's about to be 35 on the last year of his contract. You don't have a chance at contending for a title really this year. Um, you know, all your core players are eight or nine years younger than Lowry, you know, in a vacuum. Yeah. Lowry's the kind of guy you should be selling and trying to pick up a prospect and a first for, um, however, you know, so, so I do think that like, it's, it's possible, especially if they come out of the break and, and you know, they still have five players in health and safety protocols, um, so they'll be short. They'll have a two thirds of the roster again tonight. If they struggle here and, you know, the next eight games don't go that well, I could see those conversations picking up. Um, I think the big thing would be what does Lowry want? And this is where the emotion comes into it. And just how do you want to treat your people? Lowry's had a nine year career with the Raptors and no Raptor has ever had as good a career as Lowry. He won a championship. He's meant so much to the franchise. If Lowry were to tell you, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to finish the season, ride it out. I think we should add, you know, get a center or get another forward or something like that. I think you do that. He he's, 
you know, he's kind of earned that and you don't want to, you don't want to treat him like a line item, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to treat him like he's any other player. He's just an asset. So um, if Lowry doesn't want to go, if he thinks this team can make a run, if they add a piece at the deadline, I'm all for that. Um, I do think if they were to shop him, Philly makes so much sense in terms of what assets they can send out, how you match salaries, you know, would he have a title cha- title opportunity? Uh, he's from there. So it's uh, that all lines up, but I, I would guess he stays put. I just think he means too much to, to sell him off for anything other than an overwhelming return. And I don't think the Raptors are as bad as the two games under 500. They are right now. Like, I think this is the fourth or fifth, fourth or fifth best team in the Eastern conference still, you know, that's not sexy. That gets you the second round maybe, but uh, you know, I, I think it's not like they can tank anyway. Right. Like at this point you're, you're not getting paid. So you gotta, if you gotta handle this Kyle Lowry thing sensitively. Yeah. Lowry said um, that he wasn't willing to um, commit to staying with the team after his deal expires of free agency, but he does want to retire a Raptor, which is kind of mixed signals. Like, no, hey, listen, I, I want to be a Raptor. I think it's him saying, I don't want to get traded. I'd rather be a Raptor. But if someone offers me a good spot in free agency, I'm going to pounce on it. I think I have a better chance to win the title or make more money or, or whatever his values are. I mean, I think I think the the entire context of that, that press conference, and I was on that Zoom call, um, was more just Kyle responding to the rumors that have been out there and him mm-hmm. kind of trying to, you know, he was – he said the rumors don't bother him. He understands the business, but it's when people say things as if they came out of Lowry's mouth, right. that's when it bothers him. So I think he was trying to clear the air on that. It, you know, the, the I'll retire Raptor, even if it's a one day contract thing um, was an answer to a, a pretty direct question. So I think, you know, I think uh, for him, that was him trying to let fans and the franchise know that no matter what happens, he considers himself, a lifelong Raptor and he'll, you know, I, I think that was just his way of, you know, whatever happens, I'm still a Raptor at the end of the day. I, I don't think it was, you know, a goodbye or a, a leverage play or anything like that. I think it was, he was just being honest. Um, you know, the free agency thing is, is interesting. And that's, that's part of what you got away with the Lowry trade too, right? Is, is you'd have his rights this off season if you keep them and that's helpful for a sign and trade or for to re-sign them if you decide not to use your cap space. So um, there's a lot, there's a lot to sort through with this kind of thing. And that's why I've kind of taken the, taken the standpoint that if you're, uh, if you're the Raptors, you got to get blown away a little bit. So, yeah. so I assume, uh, I assume you think that the Clippers are just off the table then because they can't really offer any draft compensation, um, really players, uh, for, for a guy like Kyle Lowry. Yeah. I'm like, not only would the Raptors probably have to take on one longer term deal to make the math work, um, which would kill all the flexibility they've been building for 2021. You're also looking at like Zubots is the best piece you're getting back in a trade. I just, when you look at what some other teams like Philly or Miami can put on the table, even getting one first round pick, like the Clippers have nothing to offer in terms of, of picks and stuff. So um, I think it's tough, man. I think the Clippers are a, a really tough landing spot for assets and salaries. I think Philly Philly is the team that makes the most sense. And then Miami can get there if they're willing to part with Drogic and, and some draft assets and stuff. But the Clippers don't have anything that moves the needle for me. Yeah. Um, so one thing I mentioned, the Raptors last year, we talked about this in the, in the summer, parts of the bubble, how 
they just took this leap without – I mean, they didn't, in terms of record, they're the same record, but you take away Kawhi Leonard and you have the same record. It's kind of a leap. And then this year, you lose Ibaki, lose Gasol. Um, you take a, uh, a step back. Um, why, why do you, what do you think is the biggest reason why the Raptors have taken that step back this season? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I think part of it is, you know, there's a cumulative effect of, okay, you lost Kawhi and Danny Green, you weathered that, but then you lose Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol. And, and even if you're really good at player development and drafting, it's hard to keep up, right? You just lost four out of eight guys from your championship rotation in a two-year span. And, and as good as the guys left over are in Lowry, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Siakam, uh, Powell, you know, yeah. those guys have all taken steps, but it's hard to replace four, you know, top guys. Kawhi, who was finals MVP, and then three guys who were, you know, Big really, part. really important role players. So um, I think it just kind of caught up to them that way. I, I certainly don't think being displaced from Toronto and having to adjust to Tampa and, you know, not having, you know, none of these people are at, at, in their homes. None of these people are like the home games. I, w- I was down there for two they don't feel like home games. Um, and I know a lot of teams are dealing with that, but you, you look at it over the, a long stretch of time. Uh, and it's pretty, I don't know. It just, it, it's, it takes away some of the, the spirit of the team, I think. And then I think honestly, in that two and eight start, they just, they had some tough luck. Like, like Pascal missed a uh, handful of game winners that rattled in and out. And, you know, then suddenly you're four and six or five and five. And now you zoom ahead to now and you're a couple games over 500 instead of under, um, the margins are, are pretty thin. They, they, you know, obviously you lost those games. You didn't win them. You don't get credit. But, uh, you know, some of those close losses over the long term, you'd expect those to kind of be 50-50 games. So I think it's just a lot of little stuff like that. And, and I think, you know, if you're going to criticize the Raptors for anything, um, one, it's that I think maybe they underestimated the drop-off in Abaka and Gasol to Baines and Len. Um, Baines being a a 34 year old coming off of almost a whole year off and he had COVID um, you know I I think maybe we all underestimated how long it would take him to get it back up to speed Um, and then the other thing is just you know the other the next level of development guy coming guys coming up you know they haven't they haven't got there as quickly and maybe that's because the Raptors traded a bunch of picks during the Kawhi run so you know you had Malachi Flynn was their first first round pick since OG Ananobi like they had, uh, you know, you need, you need talent coming in. And, and um, so, you know, I think it's a lot of those things kind of adding up. I, I don't think they're, they're that bad. I don't think they're as bad as the record, but um, you know, we knew when you go all in for Kawhi and then he leaves, you, you know, you're going to pay the price for that eventually. Yeah. Um, two things. Well, first um, I hate, like there were some like slander towards Nick Nurse and people just do this a lot. They mean to do it all the time. Like, for example, in the Celtics, they're doing a little bit this year, too. But in Kyrie's last year in Boston, like, everybody just flipped the switch. Like, oh, Brad Stevens isn't a great head coach. Like, yes, the, yes, he is. He's still that good of a head coach. They started to do a little bit now with Nick Nurse. Um, so, And my second question is, how is your job, or has it at all, how has it changed with the Raptors relocating to Tampa? Um, how has that changed for you at all? Yeah, it's, it's changed a fair amount. I'll start with the nurse thing. And, and yeah, I think it's, it's way too early for, for that kind of thing with, um, with Nick nurse. He he's coming off a, a coach of the year award and a final, a championship the year before that. I think the way the team has improved a little bit over the course of the season, as new guys got more comfortable and stuff, um, the creativity is still there. I, I think, 
you know, you, you'd be willing to give him some slack this year anyway, but he, he certainly earned uh, a good chunk of it. Um, in terms of my job, you know, it's really different, right? It, it's not, it's not that different from what we were doing in the bubble. And, and I was able to be down in Tampa for, for two weeks, um, right when the season started to kind of see everything that's going on down there. And, um, but the big thing is, you know, zoom calls are fine and the teams do a good job getting us guys in scrums and, Obviously, the the Raptors have some guys like Van Vliet and Lowry who are tremendous quotes, which helps. But uh, you know, you lose the vibes, right? Like you you lose. You can't have a private conversation. You can't read body language. You can't see what the energy's like in the locker room after a game. Um, it's tough. You lose a lot of that, and that stuff. You know, it maybe doesn't matter game to game, but when you start two and eight, or or when Pascal Siakam gets benched for a game, um, you know, those are the those are the kind of time it'd be great to be there. Uh, because, you know, you can find out a lot more by physically being around that, than you can over Zoom. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't Siakam getting benched, um, back to the Nick Nurse thing, wouldn't that um, just, you know, signal he's, he's still an elite head coach, he's an even better coach than people are giving him credit for, because it really does take guts to, um, to bench the star player on your team. Now, he's not necessarily Kyle Lowry and, and what he means to the franchise, but I think he's pretty safe to say he's the best player on that roster right now. Um, and, and I actually wanted to um, piggyback off of that. What do you th- what do you see in Pascal Siakam's future? As um, do you see a guy who can lead the uh, Raptors to another championship, or w- is he best suited as a number two um, guy next to like a two way wing like Kawhi was a few years ago? Yeah, it's um, you know the evidence we have over the last year and a half certainly suggests that you know Siakam's upside might be might be more of that number two or one B. Uh, I will say, you know, he's trended in the right direction this year. Certainly uh, his defense has gotten back to being like a borderline all defense level after dipping for a little bit. And that's really important for him. Um, I think his playmaking has come along. Uh, the big thing is, you know, the three point shots still pretty inconsistent and that needs to be a weapon. And there are times when he, you know, gets a little passive going to the rim or trying to get to the free throw line and stuff. And that's, you know, I think people forget that he hasn't had a lot of time as the number one guy. Uh, but I do think this year, you know, his usage is down a little bit. They're using him a little bit more as a playmaker for other people instead of just here's the ball, you go create. So um, I think it's moving the right direction. I think that the fact that Van Bleed and Powell have both been able to take on larger scoring roles um, helps him as well. So uh, really excited for his second half of the season. Hopefully this this uh, health and safety protocol break this this will be i think the fourth game in a row he misses tonight um you know hopefully that doesn't disrupt the the path he was on because he was moving in the right direction yeah um relating relating to pascal siakam how how do you feel uh the rappers as a whole to be honest how do you feel they um their their chances are of uh of really taking that next step and getting back into playoff contending relevancy um, because you know you said they're they're not going to contend this year they're not in the window to contend when do you think that window opens back up yeah I mean I think they hope it's as soon as, as next year and I think you know that's why if things go poorly this next little bit you have to at least consider you know what Lowry or, or Powell trades look like um, because you know Siakam, Ananobi, and Van Vliet are a are your young core but Van Vliet and Siakam are, are 26 to 27 um, you know, Chris Boucher is 28. If, if you consider him a part of that core, OG is the only one of those guys that that's really on the younger end. 
Um, even Malachi Flynn, their right. first round pick from this year is older than OG. So, um, you know, you kind of, you want to take advantage of these guys while they're in their prime. And, and I think, you know, obviously everyone, everyone jokes that the, the Raptors only plan was Giannis in the off season. Uh, that's not true. They still have some flexibility, whether that's to bring back Lowry or Powell to sign a different free agent to, to try to make a trade. Um, but I think, you know, you want to strike in the next year or two. Yeah. The East is pretty tough at the top with Giannis, with the Celtics, the 76ers, and, and obviously Brooklyn loading up, but it's not like you can just wait this out another three or four years until those teams cycle off. Like all your guys will be 30 by then and you'll be the team cycling off. So I think, you know, I think it's soon. I think they, they want to, I think when Kawhi left, um, you know, I wrote about it and they talked about a little bit, uh, a two-year transition phase. And, and I think next year, you know, the goal goes back from being, hey, we're, we're a quality playoff team and we're getting lots of experience for our young guys to, hey, we, we're relevant at the top and we think we can, we can beat anyone. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's a tough spot to get back to. But you have, when all your core guys are in their prime, you don't have a lot of time to, to wait that out. Yeah. Um, sorry, just grabbing that. All right. So, well, that's actually another point you brought up how the primes you want to attack in this window. But a guy you brought up, Fred Van Vliet, since that contract, he has really been playing well. He's on my fantasy team. He's been spectacular. Um, how how important has his, I guess, jump to all-star caliber player. I mean, if you're not in a loaded East in terms of guards like Bradley Beal, Jalen Brown, well, yeah, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, if you're not in a loaded East in some years, he may be an all-star. Um, how how important has his leap been this year for the Raptors? Yeah, it's been huge. You know, I think it, it, it covers for, you know, those little bits of Kyle Lowry still very good, um, but he's going to be 35 soon. So, so Van Vliet taking a step, um, helps cover some of that. It helps cover some of the loss of the other pieces of the offense. It helps, you know, Siakam carry the load where they have similar usage rates and similar points per game now. So it's not, it's not just on um, Siakam. You know, I, I think the biggest thing more, more qualitatively instead of the numbers is that Van Bleet has really improved as a pick and roll passer and heading into this year, you know, you have some concerns, not about the deal. I, I think, you know, an all defense level point guard who shoots a ton of threes really well. It's going to be hard for a guy like Fred Van Bleet to ever be bad when he does those things. Um, but if you're thinking about upside, you know, the two big things were he's not a great pick and roll orchestrator yet, and he can't really finish at the rim that well. He's still not finishing at the rim that well, but he's added enough mid range stuff and enough floater range stuff to help with that. And then his pick and roll passing has just gone to another level. So, um, you know, I think you, you, what the hope is, is that he eventually figures out some of that Kyle Lowry-ness where, you know, suddenly every big who plays with him is having a career year. Um, you know, he's not there yet, but he, he's moving in the, in the right direction. Um, and again, I think he's, you know, I'm sure you're doing pretty well in your steals categories with, with Van Bleed on your team. He's a huge part of their defense. Yeah. Um, so let's start. Well, first off, Warren, do you have anything else before we start to wrap up a little bit? Um, yeah, I, I think everything you said about Van Bleed is valid, but do you think the uh, the Raptors have to, you know, get some get a steal in the draft, uh, sign free agents, or do you think they can really grow this up with Norman Powell? Uh, Van Fleet and Siakam is kind of a, a, a big three 
to um, to win that next championship. Yeah, I'd include OG in that in that mix as well. Um, I think they need more. Like I think we're seeing this year. Obviously, they've had a, a, some injuries in the health and safety protocols and not playing at home. Um, but the this core with Van Vliet, Powell, and Siakam, you know, they're not. They could still improve, but they're if you're drawing out the curve, a guy's going to go on there. They're starting to get to that middle now. Um, you know, I, I don't know that the that that's a championship upside group. So I think, yeah, you hope to hit in the draft, and, and that's tough to do picking late. Um, you know, I like Malachi Flynn, but they bring guys along slowly. Like if Malachi Flynn's their eighth or ninth man by the end of the year, that's a successful season for uh, the number 29 pick. So they, I think they need to add somewhere, whether it's, you know, free agency might cost you norm if you, if you jump into free agency, but there's always potential for things like sign and trades, um, you know, other trades. And then they, they do have a bunch of contracts that are um, non-guaranteed for next year that kind of give them some, some trade flexibility. So uh, there are a few paths to it, but yeah, I, I think, you know, you want to see what a, either a center or another wing looks like with this group. You know, I, I, I know people lean center because they see OG Ananobi starting at the five. Sometimes um, I think if you, if you just, I think you worry more about talent than, than anything else. And if you get, you know, if it ends up that a forwards in your lap and you just start three power forwards, instead of a small forward power forward center, uh, you're going to be fine too. But I, I definitely think, you know, you want to, you want to add more to this group. Cause I don't think they're, I think they could be really good. I don't think this group is a, is a championship team yet. All right. Um, now let's move on to our final segment of the episode. We do this with every single guest. I think you, I think we did it with you, or I did it with you. Flip the table um, where our guests ask us any questions, sports-related, show-related, or just life or random questions. So, Blake, in your new house, I see a little house tour going on. Flip your table. Okay. Uh, I will not actually do that, but um, all right. So, uh, Sean, you're you're a Celtics guy, right? Love Lakers. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Really? Yes. Sean has been a fan of Kevin Garnett since the no. dawn of time. Oh, now, why I will, did I think you I were a Celtics admit, guy? I don't know. I don't know. I will admit this though. I do like. I I hate the Celtics with the passion, but I genuinely like almost every guy in the roster. Yeah. Like Tatum, I'm a big fan of JB. Marcus Smart, yeah, but I'm not. Tough, now, right? now that whatever team LeBron's on is not an arch rival with the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel similarly about them. Okay, I, I won't ask about the the Lakers or Celtics then, but I will ask um, your your whiteboards behind you. Are we going to run into a Rob Hennigan Orlando Magic situation where you get fired for having all the trade targets on there? Is that all your trade deadline prep? <laughs> yes, uh, right here we have uh, the Lakers just getting AD back healthy, and that's all that matters. The, n- nothing else matters. Get AD healthy and, uh, and AD- Warner. Warner, I guess my question for you is that as I, we still don't have barbers open here in Toronto. So if you have any hair care tips uh, that, you know, obviously I don't have the, the flow you have, but I'm all ears. I, I really don't do much to it. I just shower, wash my hair in the shower, dry it off, go to sleep, wake up the next morning. If it needs brush, it needs brush, but it, it's, no. really, it's really not much. Like, you're, I'll write that down. You were I'm probably going to lose it all by the time I'm 35, but it is what it is. <laughs> you were supposed to help me convince him to cut it. No. I don't know, man. I, I can't. He's got the, the Cincinnati Reds hat there. I can't. Uh, too too much appreciation for it, you know? Yep. No. Hey, hey, baseball is back. Baseball Nobody cares. is back. Spring Joey Votto season. Let's go. 
Joey Votto has COVID. <laughs> he went out the other day because he got COVID. Yeah, awesome. so the Reds' 10-year contract is really working out. Great job, Cincinnati. It's March Madness. Nobody cares about baseball yet. <laughs> it is March Madness. We're going to have a lot of fun this year, actually, having a tournament. Yeah. A lot of fun. All right. Uh, anything else, Blake, before we wrap up? No, I think I, I think I tripped over myself and, and ticked you off enough, Sean. I am good. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me hide the board so that we don't lose yeah. any. Yeah, let me push the board that, out of the way. That's all of our email passwords and, and yeah, uh, yeah. login. Hackers. <laughs> yeah, your your top shot logins. Yeah. <laughs> so go, wait, actually, that's actually glad you brought that up. Can you explain that? To is, it just, is it just like an online like card thing? Like I'm lost. Kind of. So they're not they're not cards. I, I you get yelled at if you call them cards. They're moments. They're like digital highlights. And the whole idea is that there will be a limited number of them, so that there should be you know like scarcity. But it's, so much of this is tied up in um, NFT theory and stuff like that like it's it's as close to cryptocurrency plays as it is to um card collecting so it would take a whole podcast to explain it there are actually podcasts out there that explain it um and could do a better job than me i just play around with it a little bit so i could keep up with that's what's going on i don't feel too old on twitter or anything when i see people talking about it all right um warner unless you have anything else thank you blake for joining us for the second time episode 92 is a wrap uh episode 93 coming soon hopefully with warner and i or at least just one of us we have a lot of nfl stuff to talk about too much nfl stuff but anyway yeah thank you blake again on the road to sh100 next week uh tom green you guys know him all and well he'll be back to join us to fill our brackets next thursday so keep your calendars or whatever you use to keep track of every upload but anyway once again blake thank you so much you're a busy person Tell Kyle Lowry, I'd say big fan. You probably won't be able to say that, but thank you. I won't. Yes, but everybody fill out your calendars um, that 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 Sean insists you have. And um, and hey, it's a good time to be alive. Keep just just stay keep Twitter open on your browser because it is massacre week in the NFL. And unless you are a middle of the pack paid uh, veteran player making probably five to $14 million. You should be enjoying this week a lot. Really interesting for these content creators. But thank, thanks so much, Blake. Thanks, yeah. guys.